1: This is Metroscope, an Intercom Radio Portland public affairs program. I'm Gary Bloxham. The mission of the Oregon Food Bank is to eliminate hunger and its root causes, because no one should be hungry. On the show this time, I would like to welcome Jeff Kleen. Jeff is a public policy advocate for the Oregon Food Bank. Hey there, Jeff. Thanks so much for having me in today. Absolutely. So let's uh, get started and talk about what you do. What is a public policy advocate for the Oregon Food Bank?
0: A public policy advocate at Oregon Food Bank works on what we consider to be the root causes of hunger. One of the ways that Oregon Food Bank looks very different from most food banks is that we are really focused on long-term sustainable solutions. And we see one of those solutions uh, making smart investments in uh, in communities and uh, making smart policy that supports people uh, because we know that people experience hunger and the more technical term food insecurity in every part of the state. And we recognize that uh, public policy has a lot to do with the circumstances that people find themselves in when they just can't make ends meet. How long have you been doing this work? I have been at Oregon Food Bank for, it will be 15 years at the end of this month. So you've probably seen a lot of changes over those 15 years. I have. Uh, It's been exciting to see different aspects of the food bank develop and expand. A lot of that is around our root cause work. Uh, We've also made a lot of changes in terms of the quality of the food that we distribute. We really put a a strong emphasis on fresh foods Mm -hmm. and recognizing that uh, people's health is important. And the food that we distribute, we want that food to be supportive of their health and well-being. So a few years ago, we set a goal of expanding the amount of fresh food that we distribute by 50%. And I'm pleased to say we have done that uh, in an even shorter time than we had hoped. And we went from distributing 10 million pounds of fresh food to 15 million pounds of fresh food as part of the 90 million pounds that the statewide network
1: distributes each year. Wow. That's a, a that's a lot. Fresh food, what do you mean by fresh food?
0: Fresh foods
1: is... is that like fresh produce? Fresh and like produce
0: that? primarily, but it's also uh, fresh dairy products, uh, meat, uh, the things that really can sustain people's health.
1: And have a pretty short shelf life, I'm assuming. They do. Okay.
0: Uh, so that's, that's the only challenge with that much fresh food is that it does increase our costs uh, because so much of it is refrigerated, so much of it has a short... Shelf life, so we have had to increase the amount of refrigerator and freezer capacity that we have, uh, the number of refrigerated trucks that we have on the road. But we feel like it's a worthwhile investment because, really, it's an investment in the people that we serve.
1: What kind of feedback do you get from people that you do serve? Regarding that?
0: We get very positive feedback. I am uh, fortunate to be able to volunteer in one of our partner agencies uh, every few months. And it's very rewarding to see someone come in for food, particularly for the first time. And when they see the, the variety, the freshness, the, the options that they have, uh, I think they feel good about it, and that certainly makes me feel good about uh, the experience that they're having.
1: It can be a little—people uh, can feel a little bit ashamed by coming into a food bank, do you think? They can, yeah. I
0: um, anecdotally certainly hear of more occasions where people, they wait so long to to seek help. Uh, people may— spend all their savings. Uh, They may really get to a difficult place uh, because I think people naturally do want to work hard, make it on their own. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I think just in our society, we do focus a lot on the individual and individual success. Mm -hmm. And I think our hope is that we can um, create a more community-minded approach that we're all in this together. Yeah. Uh, everybody hits a rough patch uh, from time to time, and that's, that's really, I think, in many ways, the story of hunger in the U.S. Uh, and we all need a helping hand on occasion, and we want people to never hesitate to access the services that we
1: provide. Well, let's talk about hunger. What does it mean to be hungry in the United States? Yeah, hunger, I think, can bring certain images to
0: mind, but that those images are born out of the international experience of hunger. Right. Where in the United States, it really does look very different and, and is largely invisible. Although, um, certainly, if anyone knows of the local food pantry in their neighborhood, they can find the long lines that are there waiting for food assistance. So it's prevalent. Uh, Roughly 35 to 40 million Americans experience hunger. Uh, The U.S. Department of Agriculture has, uh, they defined it as food security, low food security, and very low food security. And what that really means is the different levels of quantity Variety and quality of food. So, when a household may not have enough money to spend on all of the food that they want, they they start to make compromises. Mm -hmm. And those compromises typically are in the quality of the food. So, there's less and less fresh food, more and more canned and boxed and prepared foods, Mm -hmm. and less variety. When we have options where we can buy in bulk, we may buy a lot of pasta or a lot of rice. And that becomes – there's nothing wrong with those things being a staple, a healthy staple of our diet. But day after day, meal after meal, uh, we start to miss out on the nutrients that are part of a a rich and varied diet. How about hunger
1: in Oregon? What's it like here?
0: Yeah, um, we experience hunger at an alarming rate. Uh, And I should have said that really the last part of food security, very low food security, is when people are cutting back on the amount of food that they eat. And that could be maybe a smaller meal portion than they really need to be healthy, or too often it is skipping meals. So, um, I think all of us in our day-to-day experience can relate to running late and out the door without breakfast in the morning Mm -hmm, or uh, too busy through the day and skipping lunch. And and we all know that feeling of kind of being a little mentally fuzzy, uh, physically drained. Uh, Those are the physical impacts of being hunger and Even that doesn't really encompass what the experience is like, because that can be an isolated incident when we know, okay, I missed lunch today, but I'm going to have a good, healthy dinner tonight. So I can do that. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a very different experience if you have skipped breakfast, skipped lunch, and you don't know how much food is in your cupboard at night. And you don't know
1: if you are going to have enough. We are talking today with Jeff Kleen, a public policy advocate for the Oregon Food Bank. Now, Jeff, um, what are some of the factors that lead to people having food insecurities? Some of these may surprise us. Yeah, one of the ways that
0: that hunger is different in the United States than internationally is that it is not for lack of food. Uh, There is plenty of food to go around in the United States and in Oregon. We see a lot of waste. We do, Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's always a surprise to hear that in Oregon, one out of eight Oregonians is experiencing food insecurity or hunger. Hmm. And that rate is even higher among children. It's one in five. And yet when we look around, here we have a strong economy and prosperous communities. But unfortunately... Because Oregon is such a desirable place to live, we have a high cost of living, and wages simply aren't keeping up. So uh, we find that in the surveys we do, almost half of the households that we serve have a working member of the household. So it's not for lack of effort and for working. uh, Just lots of folks are not able to find a job, particularly in places like Portland that have such a high living cost in terms of rent and childcare and transportation. It's simply that the expenses exceed income.
1: Do you find that food kind of takes a, a back seat? It does. To other expenses like uh, uh, keeping food, a roof over your head. Food
0: is where families and households have some flexibility. Uh, We often say that no one from your local grocery store comes and knocks on your door and uh, demands you to pay your food bill, whereas people very reasonably pay their rent. They want to keep a roof over their head. They pay their utilities because they need to keep the electricity on and the water running. And it's in a food budget that really kind of takes on the burden when family households are stretched.
1: What is the Oregon Food Bank doing to kind of end this? How are you, are you trying to end hunger? We
0: are taking a number of unusual approaches. So we definitely have a traditional food banking model in terms of distributing uh, 90 million pounds of food across the state through our network. Uh, We have a network of 21 regional food banks that serves Oregon and Southwest Washington. Uh, In addition to those regional food banks, we have 1,200 partners and programs. So that's where someone would actually go to get uh, a box of food or a prepared meal. Those are the the food pantries that we, we see in our communities. So that's definitely a big part of it. But beyond that, we are... We consider ourselves champions of self-reliance. We want to teach people how to grow their own food, how to uh, cook and prepare healthier, uh, more economical meals. So as a result, we have a learning garden at many sites around the state. That's super cool. Largest at our location up in northeast Portland, but also in, in Beaverton. We have uh, nutrition education programs throughout the state that are led largely by professionally trained chefs and other volunteers teaching people how to use a knife, how to saute, how to uh, really stretch their grocery budget and make healthy choices, healthy and economical choices. We also do a lot of work around community food systems. Now that's just a fancy term for a community recognizing their strengths, their assets and meeting their needs with those assets. So that has a lot to do with access to food. That that's the other challenge that we have not only in Oregon but across the country. So, there's plenty of food. The question is, is there access for everyone to that food? So, obviously, the price of food can be an obstacle. But if you live in a rural area, sometimes just the physical proximity to affordable, healthy food is a challenge. So, building community food systems and that kind of community resilience
1: can create more options and increase access to food for more people. That's great. I, I love the education part of what you guys do. That's, that seems really important. It is. It's, surprisingly, it's, you know, I, I don't know how to cook that well. I know how to do it some. It's, but. it's
0: a skill that, uh, unfortunately, we're losing. <laughs> uh, there's so much fast food, so it's many prepared foods. That easy to go to a foods. That, That's exactly right. Then the last big part of what we do is we advocate for change, so that involves civic engagement. It involves uh, giving people opportunities to, uh, we, we think of it as shortening the distance between uh, people and decision makers when those decisions are impacting uh programs that benefit them, affordable housing, transportation. So we are really working hard to engage more and more people uh, in their communities in the political process to improve the environment for
1: everyone. And very recently, some changes are proposed, right, to, to SNAP. First, tell me what SNAP sta- Is it an acronym? It is. It
0: is the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. Okay. And it's the name that was adopted for what really still is commonly known as food stamps. Uh, It was adopted about 10 years ago. And we were very disappointed to see the changes that were proposed by the Trump administration because all of them essentially restrict access to food stamps that are benefiting About 38 million people across the country. And in Oregon, 600,000 people count on food stamps to have enough to eat. What are these proposed changes? There are three uh, so far this year that have been proposed. Uh, The first would impact people who are looking for work. So right now, uh, people who are looking for work still have access to SNAP. And I should say, these are are folks who are not supporting dependents. Okay. Uh, But yet they're unemployed. Uh, Many of them live in rural areas. Uh, Many of them live in uh, places where jobs available just may not match their skill set. So these are folks who live in high unemployment areas. And right now there's a provision that allows them to receive food stamps. But the proposal from the Trump administration would put a harsh time limit on folks like that, and would only allow them to access food stamps for three months out of every three years. So in other words, someone who is struggling to find work, uh, just not able to do it, due to a variety of circumstances beyond their control are suddenly going to be cut off their food stamps with the idea that that somehow
1: helps them find work. It's supposed to be an incentive or something? It's supposed to
0: be an incentive. (laughs) I I think about how difficult it is to find work for anyone, uh, let alone showing up on time and ready to perform well in a job interview on an empty stomach is just another obstacle for people. Right.
1: Yeah, that's a real challenge.
0: So that's the first uh, rule change. Uh, Then another one that was uh, released here recently would take away a provision that allows 43 states, including Oregon and Washington, from providing food stamps to people who are earning a little bit more than the standard income level but face high living expenses, like we talked about mm-hmm. before. So mm-hmm. this is really uh, common in states like Oregon, where people are earning a little bit more, but certainly not enough to meet their needs when rent is so high and the cost of child care and other household expenses. Mm. Uh, the provision that would be taken away also allows states like Oregon to provide food stamps to families that have saved a little bit of money. All of us are better off when we have a little bit of savings to meet unexpected uh, expenses like a car repair or a rent increase. Having a little bit of savings helps households get through rough patches like that without sure. going without food or without falling into debt that can spiral out of control. So a little bit of savings provides a lot of stability to households, yeah, yeah. Uh, so those families would no longer be able to receive food stamps uh, if this rule, if this proposal, is implemented. Okay. Uh, the last one that came out just recently would impact a certain group of immigrants, uh, people who are applying for green cards or applying to enter the country initially, and it. In those applications, there's there's kind of an equation going on. They're, they're looking at what they call the totality of circumstances. They're basically weighing pros and cons mm-hmm. uh, that a household has happening. And ultimately, the use of a program like SNAP, but also certain parts of Medicaid, uh, Section 8 housing vouchers, all of which an immigrant in this situation can legally use. They are legally eligible for those programs. But with this rule proposal, if they did, it would be counted as a essentially a heavily weighted strike against them in determining whether their application is approved. So ultimately, families may disenroll from these programs or They may choose not to sign up for these programs when really they're necessary to keep their families healthy and strong. So we know that that likely will put an additional strain on the food bank network. But at the same time, we're also concerned that the rule is complex and confusing enough that people not only may disenroll from food stamps – They may also decide that they can't take the chance of going out and accessing food from a local food pantry out of confusion about who is funding or who runs that pantry or where the food comes from. So one of the messages that's really important right now is uh, for us, for us, the Oregon Food Bank Network, to let people know that we are not – part of the list of programs Mm -hmm. that would count against people. And we want people to come to our locations and get the help that they need. And I should also say that the other two rules that I mentioned have not become law yet. Mm -hmm. So I also encourage people to continue to enroll in SNAP or food stamps, get the help they need. Uh, We're doing what we can to prevent these rules from being implemented and becoming law, but they are not in effect yet.
1: Okay, we've got a couple minutes left. Uh, How can our listeners get involved and help maybe change these, not allow these policy changes to go into effect, and how can they help out the Oregon Food Bank?
0: Yeah, there are lots of ways. Uh, Initially, in terms of these proposals, uh, with the rule that would impact families who are earning a little bit more or who have saved a little bit, Uh, They can go to our website, which is www.oregonfoodbank.org, and click on our advocacy tab, and they can submit a comment to the U.S. Department of Agriculture voicing their opposition to this rule, saying it's not right, Uh, families should be able to continue to receive SNAP even when they make a little bit more or have saved a little bit. I should have said that that rule itself would take away SNAP benefits from 66,000 Oregonians. Wow. So that's about one in 10 uh, people who, who rely on the program. Beyond that, we really, people, we really feel like people's voice is important. So we want people to use their voice Contact uh, your members of the state legislature. Contact your members of Congress. Uh, People shouldn't be intimidated about reaching out to decision makers like that. They don't have to know all the numbers and know all the policy. Uh, It's great just to call or send an email and say, ending hunger is important to me. It's really important for electeds, both at the state and federal level, to hear from their constituents that ending hunger is
1: important. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So if uh, people listening want to volunteer and help out with the Oregon Food Bank, how do they do that? There are lots of ways. They can uh, give us a call
0: at 503-282-0555, or probably even better go to our website. We're easy to find. And there are ways to volunteer repacking food, out in our learning garden with our nutrition education programs, I can say from personal experience, it is fun
1: and rewarding. I can say from personal experience, it is fun and rewarding too. <laughs> we've we've at the radio station, we've done it, and it was just a blast. Terrific, and of course, uh, financial
0: donations uh, keep our lights on and keep our trucks on the road
1: and that's an important way that people can help as well. And you can donate. There's a big donate button right on the website, OregonFoodBank.org. So you can get tons of information there too. Thank you to the Oregon Food Bank. You guys do a lot. Thank you. We've been talking today with Jeff Kleen, a public policy advocate for the Oregon Food Bank. Metroscope is an Intercom Radio Portland public affairs program. I'm Gary Bloxham. If you're involved with a nonprofit or public affairs organization, or if you have an idea for an upcoming show, I'd like to hear from you. Visit metroscopepdx.com and submit your ideas. You can also go to this station's website and submit your information there.